Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a sci-fi horror role-playing game based upon the writings of H.P. Lovecraft. Your investigators of the unknown are... Brian. As Jack. Hello? Is this on? Oh, it's on, baby. Okay, good. Let's go. Gabe as Roy. I told Jeremy I had my questions prepared, but I don't. And Matt as Rocky. I told Jeremy that I didn't have my questions prepared, but I do. Welcome, players. Today we'll be answering listener-submitted questions regarding our recently completed scenario, Case 10 Praise. Spoiler alert! We'll be discussing all the nitty-gritty details of this adventure. So if you haven't listened yet, you might want to go back and start at Case 10, Tape 1, Prologue. We will wait. Jeremy dies in this one. Oh, okay, Gabe. You can't hey, do hey, that. Spoilers. You can't spoilers. do that, man. Come on. Call me Bruce Willis. Whoops. <laughs> Bruce. Before we begin, we do need to thank our current patrons as of this recording who have contributed to the podcast via patreon.com slash Lovecraft Tapes. Their monetary support has helped pay for podcast hosting, editing software, bonus tapes, and secret tapes that only they get to see. Plus any other costs associated with production. So we'll go ahead and thank those folks now. Arissa, Zachary Harley, Jordy Rose, Chris Parker, Elizabeth Grief, Jeff Berry, Jefferson Bell, Kyle K. Walker, Kyle Sherman, Boston Harbor Horror, Brittany Davis, Brownie Davis, a whole lot of Davises going on here, Corrine, Daniel Capron, Daniel Hissey, David Winterman, Davinia Von Zarevich, Dom Driver, Eric Phillips, Eric Zane, Frank Delventhal, Jeremy Griffith, John Imray, John May, Mal, Malambra57, Mitchell, Olda Polkert, Phil Dickinson, Quizzic, Robert Jameson, Shosuro Ajo, Snow, Wouter Vermeyen, Yogg, A.E. Jonesy, a.k.a. Grave Jones, A.J. Aich, Alexandra Kroska, Bifford, Eric Setterberg, Gregory Schmucker, Holden Omans, Hoser underscore 21, Ineptus Astartes, Jeffrey Young, Justin Levesque, our buddy Justin, Manic B Media, Marty Dixon, Nicholas Hutto, Phil Campbell, Rolling Boxcars, and Tian Tai. All right, so thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. Dear investigators, we recap... Chapter 10, Praise. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. Jack, Roy, and Rocky settle into their new lives as Delta Green agents, some adjusting more easily than others. After a bumpy experience inside the Cathartic Arena Virtual Reality Simulator, the trio are dispatched to Chicago in order to clean up after another agent's recent death, which leads them to the cabin in the woods haunted by more than just bad memories. Ultimately, the investigators manage to squeak out of another horrifying situation and return to the Delta Green headquarters where they encounter yet another sanity-breaking supernatural entity who is tied to the crimes of their past. Let's get to our submitted questions for today. Chris Parker asks, This chapter was a big shift in a few ways that took everyone to new territories, some brand new and others all too eerily familiar. For everyone, which investigator's arc has been your favorite to watch unfold. I'll start off. This has been pretty easy, but uh, I really enjoyed the way that 
Roy threw himself into the Delta Green situation. I thought that was fun, and I thought it made perfect sense in the context of the uh, Bauman investigation where he turned out to be the guy towing the line and wanting to do the right thing. I like that little twist. It didn't break character for me, so I thought that was fun. I was thinking along the same lines. I thought it was interesting to see how in previous investigations, it was usually Roy who was the one going off doing the crazy things like shooting telephones out of people's hands. And yet this time around, he's the one who's insisting that we do everything by the book and we have to do this. And they said we do that. Where Rocky is now like, well, let's not. How about we do this instead? Whereas it has very much been the opposite in, in past tapes. I'm in the exact same boat. I was really impressed with uh, the compassion that was shown. It's like he's finally stripping away all of the rough exterior we can't it could be a woman down there you know what i mean the the whole point of that was i was like this is awesome he convinced me convinced my character so screw you guys i have to be meaner next scenario that's my favorite thing about rocky is that he's he's coming to the dark side it's like you guys are switching and i'm a fan of the way that brian hates jack now and wants him to die i don't hate jack Toph asks, does Roy have a family or a brood? The ones I like are part of the brood, and the ones I don't are part of the family. So none? Raymond. Greg Bevelheimer at Tannis underscore runner says, long time listener, first time caller. I'll start by saying that you guys were my first ever podcast and the first episode I'd heard at that time was Case 5 Tape 2. I still find myself laughing at the diner bit about the pot roast on a hot dog spinner. After that, I started from the beginning and have been hooked ever since. You guys are what initially inspired me to start running my own COC sessions, as well as looking into starting my own horror podcast. My question is in regards to how you guys started posting your content. How does it end up on these several different podcast mediums? Did you submit your content on just one system and let it branch out from there? Or do you have to submit it to all of them individually? Thanks and keep going strong. So this is a technical question that I can answer. We we chose early on to use uh, Podbean only because it was highly rated and relatively cheap to host the actual files. And they have a system in place where they auto submit to Apple podcasts. And usually if you get that one feed out there, then lots of other places We'll pick it up. That's kind of it. I also, on the back end, I have podcast creator accounts at Spotify and Google and all all the usual podcast people just so that I can monitor traffic and make sure that the feeds are actually going up properly and on time. So uh, hopefully that answers your technical question. And as always, we're happy to help other podcasts uh, get going. So if you have any other technical questions, feel free to just at me directly and I'm happy to answer any of them. BCP asks, when exactly did Omega Red become a thing, and who decided it was more than just wordplay? Was everybody in on the twist, or did the players naturally react that cool? It was natural, but who, it wasn't a Gabe, didn't you? I think Gabe was the one who started the joke about Delta Green Omega Red. It was just something I was like, oh, well, they obviously have some competition, and all competition is exact opposites of each other. That's what movies have taught me. Yeah, we just ran with it. Because it was awesome. That's it, exactly. And once uh, Roy put that out there, I was kind of like, well, duh, that makes sense. I started just sort of writing it in as part of the plot. It's paid off some dividends for sure. Omega Red sounds like some sort of vitamin supplement. I like to think that in the Call of Cthulhu world, Omega Red isn't real, but someone at Delta Green is paranoid about its existence. Yeah, we, we don't know for sure whether or not Omega Red is an actual... We've never met anybody other than Jacqueline and also... 
potentially detox. And just because Delta Green labeled them that way doesn't mean they are. It could be a, we need to get rid of these people. How do we do it? Oh, they work for this other company. Ooh. Could be their excuse to uh, eliminate people they don't want around any longer. Yeah. But Epsilon Yellow is confirmed as real. Uther Pendragon, I can neither confirm nor deny that statement. Was Rocky's company Sigma Purple? I can neither confirm <laughs> nor deny. I'd tell you, but I'd have to kill you. So, and then also Starplay says, are your scenarios homegrown, aka original content, or are you planning on hitting some of the more popular Call of Cthulhu scenarios? I'm always curious about the more unique plot lines. I'd say we have a pretty good mix. I, right now, I lean more towards 60% published, only due to time constraints. What I'm trying to do is marry my stuff with stuff that's regularly available. Available. So, for instance, I make it very clear that the thing that we just did, Case 10, had a published scenario at its core. I built bookends and sort of wove stuff in the middle. And I think that one was uh, The Things We Leave Behind is the scenario. I have no plans really to hit the more popular Call of Cthulhu because I think it's been done so much. I'm not super duper interested in doing stuff that's already been done to death. If anything, I'm going to do stuff that is changed in some fashion. So even if I do use something that is out there widely available. Probably going to mix it up a bit. Okay, let's jump into some of ours before we round back to the listeners. I've got something for Brian here. Something bad seems to happen to all the women in Jack's life. Do you think that's coincidence? Or is there something else at work behind the scenes? I have never thought about it. I do think that Jack, but maybe has a dark cloud over him that's that's uh, that's following. Uh, not a curse so much as just the bad luck. Do you think that Jack realizes this is the case? Or is he suppressing that realization? He rationalizes everything as just out of his control when it goes wrong, rather than it's happening because of him. And he'll never know because he's always in his own scenario. Whether or not he's aware of the phenomenon, it has to take a toll. How do you think Jack has changed since being a young boy whose mother is abducted by a cult to being a grown man whose recent love interest turns out to be a spy? Over the last probably scenario and a half, he's learned to, with the body switching and everything, he's learned to maybe let a few things go that he didn't think he ever could and start focusing on the present and bettering himself and moving forward and focusing on work. That's why he's got that tunnel vision and doesn't see that it's what all the bad stuff that happens. He's always there in the middle of it. Okay, uh, Brian, why don't you ask a question of somebody? Gabe, do you think that Roy has a substance problem? I think he probably does, but I think it's something that he just will never address and he doesn't worry about it. It's something he can sort of control because he is frugal and doesn't want to He doesn't want to pay for it, so he only gets it when it's there. But when it's there, he goes overboard. And could he quit anytime he wants? When he wants to. He can stop anytime he wants starting tomorrow. Not when you want him to. How about you, Gabe? What do you got? Something for somebody? For Jeremy, everybody's favorite segment seemed to be Cat Dulu. Everybody loved it. How would it have gone differently if Matt wasn't a loser who rolled badly? For everybody who not up on this, I've admitted as such on Twitter and on Discord, I screwed up the rules. I basically just reversed them. So what should have been successes should have been failures and vice versa. So that contributed to a lot of uh, angst and confusion during the playthrough of those two episodes that we played 
Cthulhu. And for that, I'm deeply sorry. It obviously would have been much smoother. You guys would have picked up on the clues much quicker, much easier. And as a storyline, it, it would have probably taken about the same time. But I think it would have been a much less stressful situation for everybody involved. And, and it would have made more sense to the investigators. If we had succeeded, would there have been any more story differences? No, absolutely not. The main arc happened still. Yes, with Bauman. Happy accidents. Speaking of Matt, how about you? You got something for us? Jeremy, they say that learning from your mistakes is smart, but learning from others' mistakes is wise. So in all your hours of listening to other people's podcasts, have you ever heard something where you're like, wow, I really need to not do that, or "I okay, that doesn't work? And what was it? And have you ever like worked it in to make our show a little better? And call the podcasts out and tell them that they're dumb. I listened to a lot of podcasts before we even started the show. And to me, the biggest thing was audio quality. And to make sure that even though we're all human and we all have our outbursts or our sneezes our flubbing lines, whatever that may be. Early on, I wanted to make sure that we didn't disrupt the listener's experience by introducing too much. Like here we're on YouTube and it doesn't matter. Everybody understands and appreciates that we're live and shit can happen. But in the context of a podcast, you know, do a little work. Add 10 minutes to your thing to cut out all the sneezes and coughs, you know, that sort of thing. Because it's only going to help with the listener experience. It is an audio medium and you don't want someone hacking up a lung. I was shocked and amazed how many actual play podcasts would just let that in. And I get it. Not everybody wants to spend the time to do it. And so early on, that was the one mistake I was like, we have to at least sound better than most podcasts. And I think we've accomplished that over the course of time. John May asks, do you think you will stay in the current time period? Do you have any plans to do any 1920s or 1940s Pulp Cthulhu era games? And I apologize, John, but no, we have no plans to do any 20s or 40s Pulp Cthulhu era games. I think we'll stay in the current time period. I can't promise that, but I have no affinity I'd never have for any 1920s, 1940s timeline stuff in Call of Cthulhu. I just don't dig it that much and it's not that interesting to me i did like the 50s thing because that was like you know noir pulp noir kind of stuff so it had a little bit of a of a touchstone for me but i find it much more interesting to do things in modern day even future doesn't make me all that crazy but i'm not saying that we can't have little one shots that do that or maybe a an episode where somebody finds themselves in a different time period now and then we can do something that's a little off like we go back as children just those one-offs are are fun just to be just to let loose as as uh, as players. I really enjoy the one-offs to do be able to do that. And we we've been playing in uh, Brittany's uh, Harrisonville, New Jersey campaign, and that was kind of fun. That that takes place in the twenties. Case sixty nine. We're gonna time travel all over. Yeah, yeah. We'll, I'll make that promise right now. Case sixty nine is gonna be time machine. It's gonna be Roy going back to meet all versions of himself. Instead of time travel, we should do different universes. Uh, so Toaf asks me and my wife want to have a Lovecraft tapes themed dinner. What, in your opinion, would be the perfect meal for that? Obviously, taco fish is a must, like appetizer, entree, dessert, and matching beverage. So why don't we assign each of you one of these things? So, Brian, you want the app? Yeah. I'll take beverage. Why not? You want the dessert of the main course, Gabe? I'll take the main course. So who goes first? I guess beverage would go first. Oh, yeah, true. Just a nice Manhattan would be great. I think like what Roy drinks, you know? Smoker's cough. <laughs> Oh, God. We apologize in advance. What is in a smoker's cough, anyways? It's a shot glass with Jaeger and then topped with mayo. And it curdles. I would say a 
shot of Jaeger, and then I would do a Manhattan just to kind of wash it down. Well, there you go. All right, what's next? The appetizer? Yeah, uh, calamari, of course. One calamari per plate. Is it deep fried or is it the sautéed? Sautéed, of course. You got to see it. And then uh, main main entree, Gabe. I'm going to throw it back to an older thing. Something we haven't talked about in a while, but I think that you got to do tapas, don't you? Because everything goes on around the tapas restaurant. It's the heart and soul of our town, so that's just what you got to go with. What's your favorite tapas? I don't know. I've never had tapas. (laughs) (laughs) We've had blue cheese fritters, which are really nice. Deep fried puffs filled with blue cheese. What was the pork dish we had at Purple Pig? Milk braised pork shoulder. (laughs) Amazing. All right, how about dessert, Matt? Someone earlier in the chat said they missed the Italian restaurants. So uh, for dessert, I got I gotta go with the classic the classic Italian cannolis. Nice pastry shelf. That's the best dessert. Ineptus Astartus asks: Is losing the Louisiana accent for Jack Dan intentional? Accidental? Or just got sick of doing it? Uh, intentional, for sure. Because being a new body, different vocal cords, I figured the character would be. And I, I went back and listened to probably four or five episodes of Dan, and he's just straight talk. So I just figured I'm going to do the straight talk, and then every once in a while when I get heated or into into some situation, it kind of starts to come back out with that grumble and that roughness. So you can see the struggle within the mind and the body that, that he has. I'm going to ask Matt, if still alive, what is Declan up to right now? Weekend at Bernie's 3? Probably trying to deal with the body he's in, which means he's probably doing a lot of working out. A lot of, uh, you know, high-protein diet, trying to get back into shape he, he was in his other body. He's uh, very, very fitness-oriented and likes to be, you know, super on top of it and in shape and ready to go at any moment. What do you think Dan's up to right now? If he's still alive. Probably still looking for Sam. He does not give up easily. Well, I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a spoiler, guys. The patrons know. All right, uh, Brian, you got a question for us? Yeah, I will give $5 to any patron that contacts me and lets me know what the fuck's going on. Or you could just give $1 to the Patreon. I could give $1 to five patrons. That's still $5. Okay, Jeremy, did you have the plan to bring back Detox since they died? Or was this something that developed over the course of this chapter? I planned it before the case, but I did not always have it. I did feel that Detox got a raw deal, and I wanted to see them come back in some fashion. I have to go back and check my notes, but I believe I've always had this idea that Rocky would check his phone and see this weird app on his phone. When he dug into it, it would say Detox on it. Is it okay if I ask Matt his question? Because it goes with what your answer was. That's fine. After seeing the app on your phone, will you try to contact and work with Detox to shut down Delta Green? If it really is still her, yeah. I mean, Rocky still on the inside he's still looking to take advantage of every single opportunity he has leverage every single resource he has so if that means going back and seeing if detox is still detox then yeah he'd definitely definitely take a shot at it although i just never check my phone because every time i do jeremy tells me that i don't have any goddamn cell service (laughs) i also have a detox question go ahead is detox gonna hold a grudge against me and if so can i put in a good word yeah i don't think detox is gonna hold a grudge if anybody would be against jack did detox seem revengeful at all no i i did not read not it really that way. almost like warning us this leads into one of my questions then what is your theory about who legion might be well, I mean, we know that there are things that exist beyond us. I mean, we've dealt with them more than once. So I get the feeling that Legion is 
definitely from that realm of it's not from here. It's something that's out there in another place. But just because everything we've seen so far that's from out there has tried to kill us, it doesn't mean that there might be something out there that wants to help us instead. So maybe we're just seeing the other side of that extra dimensional coin, so to speak. I don't remember the verbiage we used for that goop that overtook detox icker legion has something to do with icker and also we are legion is just a cool sentence <laughs> unless you use it in context of the first ghost rider movie and then how dare you you mean the best ghost rider movie i would just like to know what color that they are so we can start referring to them as legion orange or whatever instead of delta green it could be legion orange i like it wasn't legion orange that stuff they used in vietnam kind of except for the agent instead of legion oh that's, that's... yeah it was agent orange that produced legions yes oh. chris Parker Parker asks, for the players, what do you think lies in store for your investigator now or in the hopefully far future of your inevitable curtain call? After playing this for, what, three and some plus years, we have no clue. We kind of jump on the train and, oh, this is our stop already, Matt. Uh, if Rocky's going down, he's dragging the entirety of Delta Green with him in a giant flaming mass roy will never die he is immortal well i mean actually rocky is a little more immortal now i mean oh really yeah. oh i didn't realize Did you die and come back to life I, I don't think so twice now i'm pretty sure i have my guy i'm pretty sure i have a couple times <laughs> we all have eventually roy is going to be the head the leader of delta green he's gonna take it all over nice and then declare it delta boston celtic green Rebrand. And on that note, can I actually ask Gabe a question? Because I have something that's related. Yeah. Gabe, as uh, you're playing, you know, Roy, who apparently has uh, middle management written all over him. Delta Green, we're, we're looking for someone who can help us pivot our resources to more effectively leverage those inter-office synergies in order to find more bandwidth to help accumulate to the best practices to add value to the bottom line of the company. And then we want to kind of circle back to optimize for our best strategic fit in order to generate those new ideas to kind of run up the flagpole. What's your plan? All right, all right, all right. So I don't know about all that, but what I do know is that you need people. This is a people industry, and you need people that know how to work with people. I, I got a lot of kids. I'm all about family. I'm Mr. Family Man. You see my brother's following me around because he loves me so much. I don't know if I feel the same about him, but I'm a people guy, and this is a people industry, so I'm the man that you need for the job. You're hired. I work with people! <laughs> You want me to sell you a pen? I'll sell you a pen. I'm a people person. BKG Sullivan asks, I can't stop thinking about Roy while my landlord installs screen doors. Jeremy, how do you decide when to ignore Gabe's ridiculous ideas and when to assume he really means for Roy to act that way? <laughs> I don't joke. That's been the the evolution of my understanding. The only way to get along with Roy is to get along with Roy. And so I have uh, learned to say yes and. And wherever Roy wants to go is probably a place that it's not going to bust up the podcast. It's not going to derail us to a certain extent. And for the most part, uh, any friction I've had in the early episodes has diminished greatly. So it's fun to just kind of play along and introduce some NPCs that he will play nice against him or with him there is no difference between roy's ridiculous or gabe's ridiculous ideas and roy's ridiculous actions the only difference to add to that is gabe knows when to veer it back he would go forever if it was just roy doing it 
and sometimes we have to cut out some stuff because we do riff, 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 riff. Oh, riff. and we crack each other up and we have, we're like, okay, we got to stop. This is, we're going off. I want to do a whole episode that's just Roy walking around a train station. BCP says, since you have the Odin to your ISIS now, there's got to be a berry to rival Roy. Deal? Do we need like some sort of uh, foil for Roy? Like a hero to battle Roy, the, the villain? I feel like my greatest foil would be someone who is completely responsible in every way. Like your brother? Oh, yeah, he's so responsible. Let's just drop a Molotov in this septic tank and move on. Well, it would be fun to like introduce someone who is also up for promotion at Delta Green. And so you two are vying for the same position. I would love that. On every level. Have a whole, uh, whole episode that's just like office space, but Roy versus Barry to see who gets the promotion. I wouldn't try that hard. <laughs> uh, what was the name of the uh, the rival family? I think the DeLucas. Tommy DeLuca shows up. So much fun. All right, I got a question for... Well, actually, this is for Gabe. We know that Roy loves it, but what is your personal stance on napping and do you nap? I kind of don't want to like ruin people's opinion of me, but I cannot nap i just can't whenever i try i just can't fall asleep uh, it's hard for me with the sunlight even if i close the blinds it's like i'd rather just stay up until i'm i have a hard time sleeping in general i'm sort of insomniac so when i just lay down it doesn't really work i basically gotta go until i'm exhausted to the point that i pass out have you tried closing your eyes when you sleep or oh maybe if i laid down that might help too that's when all the scary things happen brian were you one of those kids who fought to be put down for naps Probably. I don't really remember, but I am often told that I was a much better kid than I am an adult, so... I liked you better when you were younger. Are you a subscriber to the theory that some of the best minds and geniuses throughout history replenish their creative powers through napping? Yes, I subscribe to this theory. That's why I can't nap. Can you send me a link? Because I'd like to subscribe to. Yeah, it's a YouTube channel just called Theory. Which kind of theory are you looking for? Yes. Do you guys have anything else? Oh, actually, no. I never asked Brian your question, did I? Now that I'm looking at my list. Uh, at the end of the, the last chapter, you seem pretty eager to take Legion deal on going wherever you go when you hook up with legion are you really that eager to move off of jack and maybe find someone new and if so do you have like any ideas have you been holding on to for maybe a new delta green agent to join the team i think jack wanted to move along because he had the promise to see his sister again i believe in his mind he would be able to be reunited and i think he was just so tired at that point from everything that he had just gone through and seeing the horror of everybody around him dying and then coming back and then and it still doesn't end that he was just ready to let it go but now after the detox i think that he's reinvigorated to realize that maybe he didn't kill the detox like he thought he did and he could move forward and figure out what's going on and maybe possibly help Jacqueline as well in the process i just played the character the way the character should be played me personally i have nothing lined up i would have had to scramble <laughs> if jack did go i'm imagining uh rocky and roy trying to work together without jack in the middle and it's just like a knee without cartilage just 
grinding bone on bone. So I see that uh, Sam Bifford has mentioned, I played in the same scenario of the house and the thing in the pit, the septic tank, and our group played it much more carefully, managing to deal with the thing in the pit without letting it out. How gratifying was it for Jeremy that they let it out and you got to play with the brutality of that? That's part one of his question. And I can answer that. It was it was a lot of fun. I thought for sure maybe they would just dispatch it and throw some gasoline down there, but they had already popped the hatch so it had an out to get out. Once they unlatched it and did not ever relock it, it was going to be uh, some sort of confrontation. So it was gratifying that there was an escalating piece of action. And then Sam's second question, uh, second part of that is, how did the player characters feel with all the ensuing death and loss of lives? Well, as a player, it was shocking, obviously. But as the character, I kind of just explained that, that I was like ready to just be done with it. I just couldn't take any more of that. It was definitely interesting being on like the outside of that as a player where you go, well, that's, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's how it happened. You know, and you're just sitting there like, well, now what do I do? As Rocky, though, he's like, nah, it's cool. I wanted to, to burn it from the start, so none of this is my fault, and therefore I hold no responsibility for it. Just another day at the office for Roy. <laughs> It did produce a lot of fun combat, though. The combat was really cool. Really intense. I just like to picture the image of Marlene's legs just speared to the ground with a stick, just running in a circle as Roy, like, or Rocky just pours the gasoline on it. Hey, if we would have taken care of it earlier, we could have had really cool hours upon hours of dialogue with the kids of the, the guy who passed. Hey, Gabe, so. roll for small talk. Oh, Matt was fighting for the scenario that would have given me the upper hand. I'm only trying to do what's best for you. He comes out dressed like the dad again. So when you guys are like confronted with a situation where you're like, okay, something's going, like something bad is is clearly being set up here. You see, so you have that push pull, like, okay, I need to be in character and not realize. How how do you deal with that? How do you process that in your head to make sure that you don't tip one way or the other? You don't like tip too much in the player. I play it as the character straight. I try to. So that's why I was convinced the other way is because Roy had such a compelling argument that, well, shit, what if I am wrong? What if what if there is a person and the guy was the crazy one that trapped this person down in here? It's like, okay, well, let's just hold off then and see what, what we can at least confirm it. For me as a player and as a character, I just, the guy that they sent us to just dispose of evidence of his existence, I'm not going to take his word for it to not do something. So that was really a situation where it aligned on both a player and a character level. See, the thing is, though, is I looked at the same evidence you did, and from my perspective, what he was asking for was perfectly reasonable. From what we saw in his apartment, and from what his neighbor said about him, and from how neat and logical everything in his cabin was laid out, he had prepared a letter in case anything had happened. To me, it read as that he was perfectly normal, and he was thinking logically the whole time, and therefore, whatever he was saying needed to be done was probably needing to be done for a good reason. Yeah, but what if we went down there and it was his porn stash? Then we wouldn't have really lost anything because the internet is really, really great for porn. There's no service at that cabin. It's just hard to get a signal. We're going to give Chris Parker the last question of today. What has been your favorite behind-the-scenes part of recording this year? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> I could start off. I think my favorite part is the planning of it because I did go out of my way to not only learn the Cthulhu rules incorrectly... <laughs> But also to figure out like how that's going to work within the context of the scenario. And then just sort of like springing it on these guys. Like to me, that's, that's what gives me the juice to keep doing this is like, it's not only just wanting to like 
create a really cool and interesting story for the listeners, but I also want to shock our players, and I want to introduce them to something that they hopefully have no clue what's coming, and uh, hopefully that has been the case. So that's probably my favorite part, is just doing the prep work in advance, and then springing in the on them. Um, mine was uh, seeing you guys with everything in, on this planet right now, how scary it is, not having contact. It was really, for my mental stability, it was really nice to be able to hang out with you guys for a couple hours uh, once a week. So thank you. Uh, mine was, and I can tell by the viewership that it's clearly everyone else's favorite too. I get millions of people messaging me about how much they love this aspect of it. The Matt and Gabe show goes on every time Jeremy and Brian have to go pee because they're older. Me and Matt always have our Matt and Gabe show where the viewership goes up just by the millions and it's just fantastic. It's so weird that every time it's just us, like millions of people show up and then as soon as you guys come back, they just all leave. I, I don't get it. We really get that taste of fame that has just taken from us. Next time we got to shut our microphones okay. off. Before I, I don't we go know if you saw that uh, that email, Gabe, but Tesla did still want to send us those free cars. So you know we we gotta we gotta decide if we're taking that or not. They're the Cyber Trucks, though. The Matt and Gabe show <laughs> will start featuring sponsors. We'll we'll let everybody know who is watching that uh, we do intend for Case Eleven to begin broadcasting video again. So maybe you'll get to see the Matt and Gabe show, or is it Gabe and Matt? I don't know who's first. It doesn't matter. We don't. We're not like that. We're not great. We don't fight over who gets top billing. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be it for this episode of Lovecraft Types. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Thanks for everybody who participated in the live chat today. Meanwhile, you can find us at lovecrafttapes.com with links to all our hashtag recommendos and social media channels, including Reddit, YouTube, and our Discord server where you can chat with us in real time. You can find me on Twitter at lovecrafttapes. Uh, and if the, in the ensuing blankness of release, you want to talk games or any other fun things happening in the world, you can find me on Twitter at the Real Weird Kid. Or I've recently picked up Elder Scrolls Online again. So if you want to hit me up with a friend request, you can find me there at that one weird kid. And if you're a million dollar Fortune 500 company you, and you want to sponsor the Matt and Gabe show, you can find me at Lovecraft Gabe. Way to get the plug, Gabe. Way to get. If the somebody plug. can tell me where to sponsor the Gabe and Matt show, you can reach out to me at Brian Podcasts on Twitter. Until next time, roll for wear a mask. The Lovecraft Tapes Podcast is copyright 2020. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.